another ccp what up Ugh. i don't know i got nothing today, some guys. things i just I don't like well yeah i think he's trying to appeal you mean to most him. things you just don't like <laughs> that's fair no no he's trying to appeal to millennials oh oh but what's the generation no. that's after millennials that's, i think we're still in millennials they're still, still millennials. millennials yeah still millennials I mean, I don't want to be associated. I don't think with those the kids. Kid, maybe the kids like right now. I don't mean like the kids who are like five years old or something like that that are actually born after 2010. Like maybe they're another generation, but they're not consuming media no. as far as I okay. know. Okay, well if if well if, actually that's they not true. Be, they, they are be. actually. Can we, can we call them the knots? Because we have the aughts, so now they're the knots. The knots. Yeah, I like that. I kind of do too. N a. I want a quarter every time someone says it. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's pet Matt. Yeah, like candy Trademark, and crush, whatever, and King, and all the stuff that the King Company did with Candy Crush and all of its affiliates. <laughs> I still find it to be one of the most ridiculous things oh, ever done in, in humanity. Yeah, they copyrighted the word Candy Crush and Candy. It was Candy also. Crush is a verb. You can't Vultures. copyright a verb. Um, before we get into this week's review, I just want to briefly bring up. The new season of X-Files, not because I want to talk about it, because I ha- could go on a tirade about that for hours. But because there was an event concerning it. Right, so I had talked about uh, a week or two ago that I was hosting a screening of the full season 10 at the Waystation, which was a lot of fun. I hosted it with Kim and Sage of Head Over Feels, um, who were guests on this podcast. And um, I just want to say that one thing that was great about the revival is the intro music and credits, like the actual video of the intro for each episode, is the original 90s TV show. Like, they didn't change anything. They same video, same credits, same music. I'm, I'm surprised because that music is now associated with the Illuminati and, and a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But I don't, I, I don't recognize any of that you were. Yeah. No, no, it's been memefied as Illuminati, Ugh. mystery, obviously, Half-Life 3 confirmed, stuff like that. I, di- I disregard that stuff as much as I disregard all of the millennial stuff and the things that are catered to millennials, which, by the way, it's not catered is in to every BuzzFeed. It's the knots. Uh, fine, fine, fine. We'll go by that. Anyway. Because okay. I don't have to hate that because it's new. Anyway, it reminded me, though, how much I did love the music in the X-Files, both the original series and even the new series did have really good music. Uh, I wish I could say the same for the show itself. But it was cool to see the original intro with the original music they could have updated the opening scenes but they didn't they kept the original and i thought that was a lot of fun i love that song they could have made it a rock version Ugh. or a trance version <laughs> that could have been cool. which actually is well, easy, to, a, easy to do but i'm glad they had the, well there is the a reserve. techno version of the x-files theme that came out in the 2000s i'm sure there was even um, in the 90s i wouldn't see why anyone wouldn't do it right so mm, so yeah that, that was awesome to see that and things <laughs> Let's move on. Um, <laughs> okay. Unless anyone else has anything to share, why don't we just jump right into Steve's review for this week? All right. Today we are doing In the Magic Hour, uh, an album by singer-songwriter Aoife O'Donovan. Aoife, that's spelled A-O-I-F-E, and no, she's not Irish-Irish. She's American-Irish, or Irish-American. Born in Boston, and at least as of a 2013 interview, she was living in our merry old Brooklyn. 
so she's not as foreign as her name suggests. Because I think Americans have a very shallow idea of just how Irish Irish names actually get. We think it's like Seamus and O'Sullivan. That's just the tip of the iceberg, particularly in regards to spelling. Two I happen to love are Ieva and Bertlade. Ieva spelled uh, A-G-H-A-V-A-G-H and Bertlade spelled B-E-A-R-T-L-A-I-D-H. It's like they lead you in circles around every single syllable. Anyway, that had absolutely nothing to do with anything. Let's go into uh, the album. Today was kind of a blind pick for me. But after scanning a bit, I figured this would create a nice barrier between my last pick and my next pick, which will be in a completely different direction. Actually, I lied because I discovered that album the day after last week's recording, so I couldn't have picked it anyway. Uh, but I'm glad I didn't choose it because we got to look at Aoife O'Donovan. Aoife uh, is broadly in the indie folk environment, although she spent many years with the band Crooked Still, a progressive bluegrass and string ensemble. Would have actually been interesting to, uh, to check them out too, but alas, they do not have a recent album out. It seems they're on hiatus. She left to pursue a solo career, and uh, she was also in the in the midst of her tenure at uh, Crooked Still, she was also briefly in a band called Sometimes Why, which was described interestingly or perhaps stupidly by Wikipedia as contemporary neo-traditional folk noir. So, stew on that. Uh, but it, needless to say, members of interesting bands usually pursue interesting solo careers. Uh, although this is not her debut solo album. She had a 2013 album called Fossils, and before that a couple of EPs. So as far as I can tell, today's album, In the Magic Hour, is her sophomore LP. And I chose it because it wasn't straightforward, if you get my meaning. Her songwriting style feels very original, and the album didn't show all its cards in a single chorus. I figured it would be relaxing, insightful, and let's see if we get either of those things as we kick off with track one, Stanley Park. Which, as you said off-air, is an actual park in Vancouver, was it? Uh, yes, it is. Come to think of it, yeah, that's a little weird because um, our companion podcasters, Stephen Doug of Music A to Z, I think it was one of them who like recently posted something about, like, oh, I never walked around Stanley Park before or something like that, and I had never known what like the Vancouver Park was. Essentially, it's like the Central Park for Vancouver. Oh, so I never would have even made that connection if I just didn't happen to recently see that status and say, I think she's talking about Vancouver. Um, so essentially, she's... Aoife, an Irish-sounding Boston Brooklynite singing about Vancouver. International, Stew on indeed. that for a little bit. <laughs> okay, so obviously I, I, I introduced this as a kind of indie folk, and it is very relaxed. It's just a simple guitar figuration. Lots of volume control, though, here. It's very, it's, it's very even and very circular in its way. It reminded me of the tone or the timbre of the Decemberists, and reasons why I love the Decemberists are kind of because of that tone. I mean, other people may have loved the Decemberists for their shtick, and their shtick was the whole, like, they sounded almost old world a little bit. Mm -hmm. This doesn't necessarily sound old world, but it is relaxed in the same way that throughout most of the Decemberists' earlier career, they too were relaxed. Uh, but I really like the stuff in the background here more than anything. It's, it's extremely dynamic, and after what seems like an extremely short period of time, many more instruments have just layered in. The drums here specifically is a, particular, a particularly nice case of volume control, just this like sine wave of da 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 and then softer again. It's, it's really sweet. It's a Doppler effect. It, it's, it's almost like the instruments are coming forward, bringing back, coming forward, bringing back. And the song as a whole does that with both its volume and its builds. Uh, the song peaks in the middle, and 
the way it begins in the building, it does the same dismantling as it falls apart, as it as it ends. Exactly. This gives you a very solid core. But around the core, around the coloration that's used in the very middle of this track, I'm finding myself really lacking in 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 like investment in this track. Well, because it's so reserved, I do think it is it is very easy for this track to kind of just flow right past you. Um, obviously, I don't want to repeat uh, last week's conversation on mood music, but I, I'm not sure I'd a hundred percent commit to throwing this in that category, but it is it, it's, it's almost hard at least not to to smile a little bit at just how relaxed this is. It's not necessarily putting you in a place. It's not like really environment or aesthetic heavy. But it is maybe a little bit introspective, and I think that's why I enjoyed this, at least from just first impressions on the album. Well, yeah, I mean, based on the sine wave thing you guys are both talking about, it kind of gives this air of floating, especially once the piano and the percussion kind of intermingle a bit. Mm -hmm. It kind of adds an airiness to the whole track that I feel like fully explains the lightness you're talking about. I feel like even though the the core of the song isn't doing something super crazy, I think that's not the point as introductions go. I think it's just kind of trying to pull you in by your ears a little bit. <laughs> by the your crescendos, ears. even the crescendos where the chorus does hit like a, a nice very subdued cacophony. It's that word subdued that I have to throw in there. A subdued climax. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's exactly what it is. It's everything, and once again, it's it's the coloration that's doing this. Everything does come to a head. Even the vocals are coming to a head in that same part. But because it's so subdued and it peters off towards the end, and I really think it does peter off. That dismantling of the build really leaves me like wanting something else because I was expecting another phase. I was expecting another thing to be built upon it. The melody wasn't strong enough for me to really latch onto. The rhythm was just a little bit too clear cut and finalized. I wanted something different on top of it just to give uh, like another emotional response. Now that's where I'll disagree a little bit, only because commenting on the melody, I felt like she has a very immersive songwriting style. When you're just looking at the melody alone, it's 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 counterintuitive sometimes. She takes these little pauses and these little breaths that I don't always expect, um, and she elongates it a little bit. There's something about her her accent work that that makes this seem a little bit more roundabout, even though it is fairly uniformed. But e even that in itself is not really where this track excels. It excels in everything else. It excels in the instrumentation and the color that comes in here, because there's only a few uh, pieces of like figuration that continue uh, uh, ongoing for the rest of the song. But what, what does come in and out and, and back and forth almost on a whim are that that secondary guitar, the mandolin, uh, the mandolin especially. Time, yeah. That's my I was, that was an impressive part. But the that mandolin was during... is my favorite part of this of this track because it 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 played in almost a very like classical style, and I mean that in the sense of like classical guitar, like a very challenging picking style. And the harmonies it chose were absolutely fantastic. It actually was the singular moment in this track which did kind of wake me up from the the malaise that it had, it had set me in. But I think the malaise was kind of the end goal of the track. I think it was supposed to ease you in and relax you a bit. And I feel like the the mandolin flurries kind of help build a bit of a scene. It's not maybe a hard scene, but maybe like a dream like state or just something kind of very uh, watercolors well, yeah it, well, go, it, let's go back to my word introspective yeah like, the um the lyrics here for instance even if you're just pulling from the fact that it is stanley park if you're just walking around the park and it seems i almost 
gather from these lyrics is if she's just walking alone. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 her 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 musings right now. See that gull on the old seawall, some birds fly and others fall asleep to the beating of their wings as the wing as the wind sings the wind sings see that babe at her mother's breast if i could i'd take my rest back in the belly from where i came nobody knows my name knows my name it's like just observations around the park people watching which is almost yeah. always probably one of the sadder scenes in let's say any any romance or, or rom-com when someone's sure, just going out the, to take their you in know in those specific places i mean it, it, uh, I feel like people watching as a generalization is not super depressing. It's kind of just kind of very, you know. Well, it's, it's, if that it's, no, no, it's passive, and that's what I think bothers me. Oh, most. it's not just passive because the next verse, um, half asleep in a bowl of gruel. No one told me life was cruel. My home is in this valley now, and it's burning down. It's burning down. Yeah, it, it does mean, go inward it's, it's pretty quick. It's not just passive. That's it's, the crescendo, though. That's that's the culmination of the build. You could argue that maybe the tone of the track is a little passive-aggressive, considering that uh, it's obviously coming from a place of, of deeper misery. But the way it peters off still bothers me. I think at the end of the day, that's, that's <laughs> well, what Well, this really... is not like the kind of emotion that just, like, you know, ends on a dime, or like, da-da-da-da, resolved. But I don't really feel the commitment to it. I don't feel like I'm being drawn in at this point. It's more of a story I heard from a friend about something else kind of a thing. I'm not, I'm not really feeling, feeling the very personal touch to it because the song itself doesn't feel like it wants to go that far. It doesn't want to get that personal. Yes, it's musings, but it's the sort of musings that are just, just purely observational. There, there's really no heavy impact, even with lyrics. Like, yes, I would love to go back to to that nice, warm, safe place. But it's it's the lack of identity I'm associating with it that, that bothers me. Um, well, I don't think it's purely observational. I do believe it's it gets fairly specific. Well, it can be broad, but personal and broad. That's uh, it. But, That's exactly but, it. But regarding the other thing you said, I'm, I'm a little 50-50 on. Because uh, I will agree that she does sing in a manner that is... It does almost feel like it's a third-person observer. Her singing style can make it feel as if it's a little removed and that she's not singing about herself. But then, on the flip side, everyone conveys emotions differently. And in some sense, I feel this maybe almost packs the message a little harder because of the fact that it's it's not very it's not pretentious it's not and and when you get a little bit too close to like you know this is what i'm going through it can be a little pretentious i can be perturbed by music like that and that's not what's going on here she continues on if i find the fire escape i'll break the glass and put on my cape i'll pretend i'm superman where are my friends where are my friends it's all just like these these this existentialist dread at the end of of her otherwise passive-aggressive musing. Well, it's common in folk, especially, to have a kind of storyteller kind of character. And so while it can be either taken personally or it could be taken as context of the storyteller, kind of that's where the matter-of-factness or the kind of removed feeling might come from is she's delivering the lines, at least in this song, very much in the the meter and frame of a storyteller, kind of just telling a tale, even if it is personal, and that could be where that removed feelings come from. But it's from. not just like a, a tale with like a specific plot, identifying right. characters. It is more of the broad uh, summation of her particular brand of loneliness and depression. Right. Sure. Um, 
I'll, I'll close this out with the ever so depressing final two stanzas. I'm a poor wayfarer. I got no one to dry my eyes. Time to lay this body down in the frozen ground, the frozen ground. When I die, Lord, bring me back. As a snow-white gull, I'll make my tracks on the sandy beach of the English Bay, and then I'll fly away. Fly away. I mean, it's sad, beautiful. That's a first track for you. Wow. <laughs> I tell you. Well, from here, I think we can safely dive into Magic Hour, which is track two, um, to see where it goes from there. And and first thing I want to speak to is exactly how this song starts, because it actually made me take notice, pause, and ask Steve, because the way the piano is kind of framed here in the very beginning, it has this kind of reverb effect, but Steve also said that it could be a honky-tonk piano kind of style. It, it's um, We're going to go off what sounds like things and not necessarily what things are, right. or we don't know. But it, it does have like the timbre of a honky-tonk piano, but like laden with a lot more reverb, and then possibly some other instrument doubled with that. Yeah, That's what it sounds like. And it, was, it made me actually think of George Martin, interestingly enough, because of this opening progression. Uh, I know I actually brought up George Martin last week, but that's because he recently passed away, and uh, I don't know, it's affecting me, okay? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's just the overall positive tone to this, maybe, is in direct contrast to the last track, and it it is the kind of stuff that I feel George Martin would do in mixing, this like steady metronomic major chord uh, in A-flat major, which then brings the bass down to a G, which forms a C minor, and then finally uh, into an F major chord. It's a very very uplifting, positive progression. After all, this is the title track, uh, kind of a half sort title of. track, not in the Magic Hour, but just Magic Hour. And uh, it's the kind of pro- opening progression, even just in that uh, lowering the bass a little bit, with another bass, actually, an actual bass guitar, which kind of reacts against this. And that just seems like it's been the beginning of so many White Album-era Beatles tracks. It, it, it put a smile on my face for other reasons. The next part that starts getting introduced, the guitar work, and then later the drums. The drums are amazingly upbeat, and one thing that I noticed right away with the guitar is it's sliding. I like this work here. I like the way it's actually traversing different different sections of the chords. It's really bending its pitch as you're listening to it. It, it complements the kind of upbeat nature mm-hmm. and puts in a little bit of not just you know Saturday morning cartoons happy-go-lucky. Not that sort of carefree kind of a nature. It's a little more adult because the bends aren't always 100% upbeat. They're a little bit downturned here and there. <laughs> and this back and forth goes throughout the actual track. It's it's always the guitar I'm getting drawn to. Either guitar, the, the background or the foreground work. The, the very sparse little plucking that comes in later. I'm really digging what this is doing. I'm really enjoying what the guitar work is doing and what the guitarists are doing. Well, because here the instrumentation, besides this kind of upbeat marching flow almost, there are a lot of accents here. We're not just getting something pretty straightforward. We have some interesting little flurries coming in. We have strings here, pretty sure violins, that come in and do you know, a few notes here and there and kind of go up, go down, kind of swirl and just make these... <laughs> they're in, they're out, they're inside out. It's a little silly in the way we're describing it because we're kind of not honing down on patterns but yeah. these random effects, but that's actually how it comes across because if if the last track sounded like it was, you know, color, this is, take that to a whole nother level. This is a lot crayon of, box here, yeah. Exactly, it's just a lot of things just kind of filling this out around a pretty stable rhythm. Like like I said, it's pretty metronomic. It just kind of trucks along. The rhythm, actually, especially about two-thirds of the way through this track, can be a little bit nulling. But other than that, I'm more into this other stuff. And it got a lot more complex this time around than, than in the first track. Uh, 
interestingly, the the strings can come in like you mentioned, and then on top of that, you get this like echoed electric guitar, which is, I think is the thing that John was talking about. Yes, and and it's just. The emphasis on color is extreme, but at the same time, not extravagant, and that's what I like about it. Well, if it had gone extravagant, it would have been a full-fledged jam session kind of a deal. I mean, yeah. it would have been, it would have just been tuning up and then just playing around with stuff with no real form, no rhyme or reason. It does have a cohesion to it because they're not going too far. They're kind of just stepping in, stepping out. I would suspect that a lot of it could be improv. Um, but it's tasteful improv, and I think I think there's a lot of structure within where, let's say, it was agreed upon they would, you know, you do go, this, you go do hog that. wild. And even then, they're very reserved with it. They're not just dominating other instruments. I mean, the, those violins, they like like you said, they come and then they go. Sometimes there's a really long gap in between, where I'm like, hey, come back, where'd you go? That was really beautiful. Um, but I I I liked the flow of this. Interestingly, let's talk about the chorus for a second because here. The chorus does not feel too climactic, and I wasn't sure if that was a good choice or not. It makes it feel like everything, as we often detest, is not an anthem. That's a good thing. Uh, the song just kind of moves along, and the chorus is just another component of the storytelling. But then again, it also began, the chorus that is, it began a lot grander than it ended. The chords at the end of the chorus tended to meander just a little bit, and I wasn't sure about how it dove back in to the verses. I, I liked it like in the first listen, and then in the subsequent listens, I feel like it was almost like the beginning of a of another idea that didn't quite get finished. It was a little bit standoffish for that, and that, that I think is really the, the only issue I have with this track. Nothing is really going full force. So it's hard to get an idea of of outside the vocal work who the protagonist of this track is, who is the main focus because everything is so color oriented. It's like the whole world is swirling around these vocal pieces, but I'm not really feeling the vocal pieces full force because there's this whole world swirling around it. It's sort of a catch 22 for me. The lack of impact with the like major chords showing up and really accenting what's being said detracts from you know what's being said it, I, I, it's it's weird because this is one where the vocals are kind of taking a step forward well truthfully this is a lot vaguer since you were talking about the story that like it is a lot vaguer than the first track and it seems less personal in some ways uh first one in the magic hour when the moon is low and the sky's the kind of blue that you think you know but you don't know the turf cutters, donkey runs around, and all the fairy children, they run around, and all the other children, they make no sound. Verse 2, uh, in, in that hour, if you're on the coast, and the waves nip at your heels like a dog, pull me closer. It's past the time of the dinner bell. Before the shine of Orion's belt, the sky is still bluer than a blue bell. I did, <laughs> like, it's very abstract. It suddenly, like, the last track was so wrenchingly personal, um... Despite that we said it didn't necessarily sound personal, it could be used in a broader context, but here, it's, it's pretty broad. It, maybe it's another semblance of people watching, but it's, it's got the fantastical element too, which even takes me out of the people watching uh, mindset. It's weird. Actually, one thing I do want to point out is that blue, the color blue, becomes a major theme in the album. Yeah, you noticed that, huh? Yeah, it, it shows up, I think, another three, four tracks at least throughout the rest of the album. It's uh, It seems to be like a touchstone for a lot of the storytelling aspects. And because of that, uh, the association with the color blue and all the things that are associated with that color seems to become 
I guess a major theme involved in the album itself. Let's see if we get like a core uh, meaning of this in the chorus. This is where you'd find it. Oh, when I go, won't you throw my bones to the fish and weigh my body down with sticks and stones? Bury me not in the old graveyard where all my friends are beneath the heather on the high hillside. Death is a lonely bride. Death is a lonely bride. <laughs> you know, it's funny because that take, it, it takes such a turn there. Mm-hmm. You describe the music in the very beginning of this track as overwhelmingly positive, at least in contrast to the first track. And it almost seems like verses one and two are, are, are like... They're like utopian societies in some sense. The, the fairy children are running around, but then again, the other children make no sound. So, hmm. <laughs> the two juxtaposed worlds of the people who are happy and the people who are not. Uh, but then finally, when it comes down to the chorus, it just seems to return to the personal again. And then she's back to kind of almost planning her death. It's To me, it just seems like the ideas or the places the song is going are fairly fleeting. I mean, it's noticeable in the instrumentation as well. Like John was talking about how all this color is here and it does a lot of different things. But for me, the, the instrumental breaks where like the strings really get to cut loose a little and we get a little more of them. And we get that electric kazoo, I guess is the only way to the, describe that The buzzing that sound. guitar sound, whether it was a kazoo or whatever it was, but we got that, but it wasn't very long. It was like 30 seconds, 20 seconds, and then it just dives back in. I mean, and that happens a few times on this record, and it's just, I feel like the ideas seem a little schizophrenic. Like, here's a thing, and then here's a thing. A I, kind of ooh, shiny moment. I will say that unlike last week, we are attempting to to bring in the lyrics this time. Um, we didn't have access to it last week, but actually our conclusion was that did we really need the lyrics at the end? Because last week's album was a very kind of... It was more about the instrumental than anything else. It was also... It, it, this actually reflects that very closely. So even that now, today, I, I have the lyrics in front of me, and I'm, I'm making strides, I'm trying to understand them. I think it's good poetry. I agree that I didn't really pick them up on the first listen and it was not what my focus was on at all it was also on what you what you mentioned the 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 color everything else uh, i particularly loved the the stereo effect of the drums that sort of ride the left ear uh which is interesting because drums are typically balanced between left and right and this had it a little more harshly harshly to the left and then the guitar was more harshly to the right and then there was that that what seemed like a solo which i think I think John described as an electric kazoo. Yeah, that's my electric kazoo. There was, there, Again, what things sound like, not what they are. It, it's the closest thing you can really get to it because it has that kind of kazoo reverberation that you, you yeah. know from the childhood. But it's definitely been mixed in some sort of way if it was using that kind of instrument. So the whole effect is something that kind of is nebulous, which is kind of a good definition for a lot of this track. Nebulous. Everything that comes in comes in in just airy little droplets on top of it and then evaporate. Right. But here, I mean, to to describe the way I felt about this, at least on the first listen and subsequent listens, each and every time I felt that the emphasis was always on color and not necessarily on the content. And I mean that both in the sense of lyrical content and musical content. I know that may not have been her intention, but it was my experience of it because they were the most engaging things. I mean, overall, because you get just instruments flowing in and flowing out, the track is kind of a serene experience. I felt kind of like a newborn baby, just looking left and looking right. Everything is new and glistening because your eyes haven't quite adjusted. That was my experience with this. And then all things considered, the track just flies by and sort of ends. Yeah. It's, uh, it was an interesting aesthetic. So let's go to track three, Porchlight. So this one starts 
kind of right away with vocals. We'd gotten a little bit of instrumental lead-in in the previous two tracks. Here, we come in right away with her vocals, as well as this kind of rambly guitar, finger-picking its way. Very folk. Yeah, very, very, folk. very folk. I mean, some of my favorite folk songs, though, have a nice emphasis on finger-picking. It's just... It feels to me sort of like, you know, the the way a mind would wander while you're playing a guitar. See, that's what I was talking about earlier when I was just trying to describe her melody. The mm-hmm. kind of complex melodies that that it's are they're almost hard to pick up on the patterns of. I mean, you could pick it up if you're really scrutinizing it, but if you just even are, are remotely detached, then you'll really get lost in this. It really dis- it really reminded me of the guitar style of uh, Mark Kozalek, who was an artist that Despite reviewing, I think way back in episode 71, we may not have given his proper due uh, due to my error in picking a cover album, but I will tell you that Mark Kozlek showed me a style of guitar playing that I hadn't really heard before him, uh, because it was unquestionably folk-influenced, but it was so much more immersive, the patterns just seemed achingly introspective, and it's the same thing here. This captures that there's just a female vocalist behind it, uh, which I, I would actually compare to Mark's vocals, mainly for not being showy, um, because it's true, I'm not, like, smitten by her vocals 100%. They're, they're reserved in a way. They just try to flow along with the music. But I am into for the reason that they, they allow you to get lost in. Because of exactly that reason. They're not showy. It's a, it's a tasteful approach that may not get everyone, but I think it is, in some sense, more, more difficult, more complex. I, though, have a big problem with this track. It's primarily in the chorus, but... Basically, it boils down to the predictability of the integration of the instruments. The build itself was is kind of foreshadowed from the first few moments. Once you start hearing the guitar, you know what extra instrument is going to be added into it to start supporting it. You know what the next piece is going to be. And when the chorus comes in, you have that apparent tempo shift. Things kind of slightly skew, but it's a sort of skew that you really do know is going to happen. Because of the non-committal nature of the first two tracks, the way the chorus and the verse really don't divide, they don't they don't hit like a real, real heavy difference between the two. I expected this. I expected the drums to maintain a more paced approach as opposed to hitting intricacies and everything like that. And this predictability, or this pseudo-predictability, because it wasn't 100% predictable, it did detract a little bit for me. I couldn't get lost because I, I felt like I already followed this road more than once. Well, I'll respectively disagree only because I couldn't even find uh, any any moment here where I thought that's predictable. I think I was generally still within the ballpark of the first two tracks where things were occurring and I couldn't have really said that was going to happen. If you called it, Okay, fair game, but I I personally didn't. I thought that uh, the backdrop was equally as immersive as the last two tracks. I liked the fact that he the, they switched up the instrumentation a little bit. I think I heard a, an accordion here at some point, and, and I also that speaks to what, some of the parts that I'm saying. I wasn't really expecting it. I was expecting something. You weren't expecting, but that. not something like an accordion. You're right. Um, but this uh, then again, I think there was also. Ho- either a harmonica, either that, or I'm mistaking the accordion for harmonica, which is an embarrassing uh, mistake to make. Nevertheless, I may have made it. Uh, Once again, these things are kind of, it's fluid, and I just feel like it worked within context, and I wasn't like, enter harmonica solo and or accordion solo. It was just kind of like a sound which felt very different from the previous. 
it's constantly they're constantly reworking the instrumentation it seems in the entire album a little bit in subtle ways yeah I mean like even in this track we get some fiddle work here that kind of gives Porchlight a country twang and what I like about the fiddle work especially when it blends with her vocals and the kind of breathy nature of the choruses is that like you, you picture if you picture a porch light you picture nighttime on mm -hmm. a porch in the countryside flies buzzing around it warm summer day like that's what this song represents to me the way it's delivered the instrumentation all of this kind of fits me like a warm blanket especially her voice it's so soothing and warm and inviting and I think that while I hear where John's coming from with his issues I think for me the reason that I can ignore some of that stuff or didn't even notice it I'm more in the same ballpark as Steve is because of how the song kind of fits me like a warm blanket my biggest complaint is that the instrumental here is the shortest yet only it's less than 20 seconds and we get a brief fiddle flourish in there that I really liked and I wanted more of and I thought you could have expanded on but that said it's a very minor complaint considering the entire track I want to go back to one thing you just said country and the fiddle's not the only country element involved here the sure. percussion is definitely uh, along the full country line right there. It's it's that 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 double beat of womp womp and then something else to end the phrase work. Womp womp, something else to end the phrase work. I like it and I dislike it. It was something that kind of turned back and forth on me as I was listening to the track itself. Because I knew it was going to be double beat and then something else. But the something else always remained interesting. It was always a little bit of a flare here and there. It did, that was one thing that did keep me engaged with it. As steady as the drums were, as, as simple as the first half of each phrase seemed to be, the second half was always something that did start complementing the, the evocative nature of the vocals, the evocative nature of the rest of the instrumentation. It, it, it kept me coming back to it. That's a fair point, um, but I, I have to jump back to several things that Matt brought up. Uh, <laughs> you laid on a lot there. Um, okay, specifically that violin solo, or, or rather the, the violin flourishes. That I liked the fact that it felt very old world, not just country. I feel like that doesn't quite do it, because this violin, um, it was as if it's mic'd in a cheap, cheap recording studio, like a wooden box in the 1930s, a la, oh brother, where art thou? You know, wanna sing into my can? Like, this feels very natural. The fiddle is just against like a wooden board, and, and that's it. Which, interestingly enough, that was what I pictured, but then you described the porch light uh, environment, which actually makes more sense, because yeah. that's even more Sitting natural. Sitting in a rocking chair right there, with a blanket on your legs, and you're playing it. You might have the, the wooden house in the background, yeah. and that's what's creating the effect. So, but that was what's so interesting about it. It, ha it lacks any form of mixing, yeah. and previous, most of the tracks here, have so far had, it, you at least are aware that despite that it all sounds a little bit more natural, it has mixing there. There's, there's still reverb, there's still other things. And then this particular uh, violin solo sounded particularly barren. But I loved it for that reason. It, it actually it gave helped. it an interesting character. It gave it an interesting, interesting character, exactly. Um, and then another thing you brought up was that instrumental break around two minutes twenty six seconds, mm -hmm. where everything yeah. just kind of swells and drones, but then it unwinds rather quickly. So they use that just to go back into the chorus, which I I'm going to agree with you on a hundred percent. I think it was a little bit lame. They should have extended that a little more. Should have just dropping the album. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it should have gone further with it because everything else here, it's like they can make it seem as if just a little soundbite that was thrown in in one moment is an immersive moment of itself. But then when they have a full section here, an opportunity to really go for it, they don't really use it. Yeah. I mean, you hear the vocals kind of just, just droning along with the instruments that are droning, and it only lasts for a matter of seconds before they're, boom, right back into the chorus. Yeah. I like the chorus. I like 
Her vocals here, I will admit, are very country. They're oh, yeah. they're less even less even just folk and indie. They're really heavily into country. And uh, the only problem I have with that is not not to like impugn the genre, but in some sense there is a style of singing there which I feel is a little bit too ubiquitous that I like to see variances within it. Mm-hmm. And when I see variances within it, that's what will will perk my ears. But in this particular case, it just felt like she was within that ballpark, and I wasn't wasn't feeling it. Well, th- her country inflection was in this track. Hornets, the next track, is the one where she goes full force. It's a, it has a lot more indicators of the country element. But it's it's we're getting a little bit of a preview right here in that we're going from more introspective, extrospective, extroverted, introvert, I don't know, <laughs> well, folk into a more country sound. To be fair, we didn't really look too much at the lyrics on this track, but I, I will say it seemed it, it obviously went back to an introspective place, and I think that could be inferred anyway just from uh, just from the title, Porchlight. I'll just read a little bit here. The darkest night I ever seen, it was the night you came to me on your knees whispering, I'm sorry. Keeping time with your heartbeat, I danced along on two left feet. You kissed my cheek and left me on a city street. Turn as you go, you left me home on your bike alone. There was room for me on your handlebars. We could have seen the stars. You want to live a life in restlessness? Want a little sing in the blues? You find solace in barroom girls. They got nothing to lose. You want to live a, li- a life of loneliness? Baby, so do I. I want to sit under the porch light and watch the yellow moon rise. So it's almost as if she's sitting there on the porch maybe alone lamenting. but lamenting and remembering that occasion and then imagining things to be so i think it's pretty straightforward um and then she drifted back wholly within country to uh to tell this tale but my uh last point on it is that my overall problem with this track i think was i i expect it was her intention but i think it's it's lack of arc that it still strikes me as that most of these tracks so far have been snapshots mm-hmm. like the songs just kind of are coming from they they bank off of their excerpts but like those little bits of flair that come into these songs and spring into existence and then they're gone the songs seem to do that as well on the album scale the songs just seem to spring into existence and then they're gone and it's it's nice for the duration but i would like to see a little more of a a little more of a climax something else there maybe it would directly contrast with what i had previously enjoyed about it but maybe by the third the third track or so i'm i'm hoping for something that tells a little bit more of an arc within the confines of the song well musically i think the instrumentation is all that really connects them the stories themselves are kind of just what you said snapshots and i mean hornets which we previewed just a second ago as john mentioned it does the same kind of thing. I mean, it starts with a similar kind of style guitar, but with a little more intent. It's more hard it's, picking. It's, it's hard it's picking a, and fiddle, like yeah. full force, right up in your face. It is that country uh, feel. It is that very folk feel. This one seems to be the most rooted in old school in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then the inflection, that country drawl in her voice where mm-hmm. you have elongated syllables and then falling clipped syllables at the end of verse work. This This dynamic of... Long high rise, short stuttered fall. This is something that you get in a in a lot of music for a very long time because it was the way to sing for a very long time. But what I like about <laughs> this inflection here, though, is it's a lot more playful. There's more character to it, and I, that that's, drew me that's in even what more. I, that's what I. That's what I, I said. Yeah, that actually, it's actually an endearing quality in this mm-hmm. case because I'm enjoying it. I like her playing around with her vocal range because she's starting to showcase it here a little bit more dramatically and. 
I always love a good vocal range on on a singer. I like to be able to hit high notes and low notes. She's not going super high. She's not going super low. But it's enough to to actually start drawing me in a lot more than the previous three tracks never really did. It's less about that for me. It's just the melody writing itself really incorporated a lot more inflection. It's, It's not so... If I would optimistically describe previous tracks as fluid... Um, I still have to admit, objectively speaking, that that's not terribly interesting on a moment-by-moment level. This track completely throws that away. Listen to these lyrics, and there's something about the pausing, the attitude here, which I really love. There ain't nothing left for me here, I gotta get out. Spent the better part of 29 years just trying to get out. And there's a little pause. Got no one running after me, pray these two feet carry me south. Then out of the corner of my eye, you're looking at me. I've got painted on my thigh, you're weak in the knees. Let's leave town by the frontage road. Follow the sound of the blackest road south. I really, I, I, I don't know. There's something about, even though if you're just looking at the lyrics here, it seems like it's kind of the same ballpark. It's just you know, it's a describing thing. It's painting a little, little bit of a setting. But, but it's all in her delivery that made me actually hear these lyrics without necessarily writing them down the first time round. I picked them up because of her inflection alone. Actually, First one of time those, that happened in the album. One, one of those lines that, that really stuck out to me, even though it's not saying anything like super important or super like, like I oh, that's a perfect line. But the way she says, I've got painted on my thigh and that rising thigh mm-hmm. and then the short clipped, you're weak in the knees. That, that, that kind of rapid delivery of you're weak in the knees. Yeah. Uh, that back and forth of it. That's right. I remember that. I, I yeah. like the way this these little bits are starting to really come together for me. Like, it's shame for me I can't speak the way she sings it, but hey. And then there's the locomotive strings that step in, and there's the picking interludes that start coming in. There's enough coloration here that's actually starting to complement what's being said. The late bass that comes in very subtly, one of the subtlest of bass, one of the most, oh wow, there's somebody else playing right here kind of moments, was surprisingly impactful for how low-key it was. Back to locomotive strings. There's the only other way I can say that. Best thing I, I could have described for this particular timestamp, I know exactly where it was too. It was around like uh, 1 minute 30 seconds, and then the guitar came in here first, which was extremely invigorating in of its own right, and then the strings come over with these like almost tremolos, like uh, one iana, iana, iana. It's like hiccups within it, just to do that last little iana, the last 3 16th notes of the measure. And it, it really does does amp up the energy of this track that that no track on this album had really reached. It finally, we found an arc. We found an arc here, we found a height, something to to sort of get the uh, get the blood moving a little bit. And then beyond that, of course, everything else that we did find positively earlier is also ramped up a little bit, like the violin interlude, um, similar in character, but like John said, even rougher, even dirtier, more, more Americana. It might not have even been a violin. Actually, it sounded lower, on the lower end, it could have been a viola. I'm not entirely sure but it just it was a great solo I love lots of components uh, in this track and then finally the one the, the the big thing that's different about it is it has a two-part harmonies there are two female vocalists and they are very I mean just to say it's in sync kind of is obvious but maybe it's just the fact that it provides some other level of timbre on the album because I did say that as much as I love her voice, it's not the most standoutest feature here. But by ba- by having two uh, female vocalists, it, it helps. It helps a lot. <laughs> I would say that this is one of the strongest characters as a song on the album. 
But, I mean, just based on the lyrics that we've discussed so far, this album is starting to sound like a breakup album, and I don't really want it to be. That makes it even more cliche. I feel like there are hints at that. It's not apparent that it's a breakup album, but there are definitely moments of reflecting on breakup or or poor or terrible moments. So it's a little too soon to tell. I think that for this track as a whole, though, it engaged me in a way that no other track had. And I think that's what's most important. Instrumentation, lyrics, everything else aside, it's just the engagement in the character that really, really drew me in, even more than Porchlight, which did draw me in as well. I mean, the yeah, the chorus here is is gonna, gonna prove it. I mean, just accept going forward, it's, it's probably a breakup album. Would that you were gone away and I was gone with you, I'd sit myself right down and I'd lace up my traveling shoes. If I lose you down the road, would you look over your shoulder? I'll be there to have and hold you. It's, uh, it's, it's obviously with someone was recently on her mind, uh, or maybe well, not also recently. Well, think about the title of the album, In the Magic Hour. Like, that hour of time, that moment, that first gaze. Like, it could be... It did be, seem like she was going back to that moment. It like, that was the one bit of positivity yeah. here, was, was I mean, the memory. I think we'll get a better sense as we continue on here. I think that, you know, as we progress to each track, it makes a clear picture. So I'll hold off on the, this is a breakup album statement until we get more into the album, because we're just about to hit the halfway mark now. There are even moments here where it sounds like she's just flat out running away. Yeah. And this is her, her little excursion to find herself in the wake of this uh, horrible, horrible breakup. Alright, let's go to track five, Magpie. So this I is the like first this track. True acoustic intro. The song starts with just an acoustic guitar in her voice. The soloist guitar pairing that's going on right here. It's it's not too weird though. It's the accents are used are being used very, very well to accent her voice. And then you get the slow additions. Uh, things like when the, the the riff starts flushing out, when yeah. the drums come in. But this is a, a, a real big problem, even compared to what was happening in Porchlight, where I was kind of like predicting integration. Here, those slow drums I saw coming from a mile away. What happens with those slow drums, especially considering oh. the album, I knew strings were going to come yet Disagree at that moment. Completely. Yeah, no, I'm not they, on the same page. When the elements, no, no, hang on, hang on. When the elements come in, I know within five seconds beforehand they're about to come in. That is so bizarre to me. That said, they were very good pieces uh, as they started building up the hole. It took me a very long time with this track, over half the track, to get into it and to start enjoying it. Let me describe my experience with this track because it captures almost, again, to an extreme degree what I had described earlier. You can get lost in this to some extent, uh, which means I didn't know at all what, what was coming next. First of all, it's in 5-4. Almost this entire track is in 5-4 time, which is really, really odd. Um, not just because it's an odd time signature, but that that is that is the kind of time signature that is bound to give you an immersive melody, the kind of thing that you will get lost in and that you won't predict. Although, clearly, we already have a case of someone who seems to have figured it all out, Andrew John Sanders. But I, I disagree. I think this is the kind of track that was expertly written. It's extremely difficult to write uh, a... a a hookable melody in 5-4, and, and the the male harmonies that step in here in the chorus, even them, the, the, it was expert as the male harmonies come in here alongside her. It's like this overlapping uh, moment-by-moment thing where I could not e- even pinpoint where her 
uh, melody had dropped out in lieu of theirs. It was very, very interesting. And then the violin follows that particular moment. At the end of the chorus, the violin comes in like a teardrop. It doesn't even sound musical. It's just emotive. It was a very non-musical moment that just captured these two people together. Like, I'm not even sure the male vocals were saying anything. It was like just some kind of echo of of maybe the, the, the men in question. I don't know. I mean, to me, it sounded like he was clearly singing and harmonizing with her. Um, but I, I had trouble grabbing this, but... the lyrics. I will say that I'm somewhere in between both of you. I think that possibly it could be considered that some of the directions it goes is predictable, but I don't think it's because of something negative. I think it's because this was the first track that had a clear and present progression. None of the other songs progressed. Most of them were just, here's a song, which is the complaint that Steve really had. This is the first track we get on the entire record where it's not just, here's a song. Well, it's I would argue I, that I thought Hornets I, I thought actually did that as well. I agree. Oh, then that's I think fine. we started with that in Hornets. Then that's fine. But here, it really does it as well. And on a slower scale and a more subdued scale, but it still builds. And what I really like is, besides the beautiful harmonies that are kind of staggered, like Steve was talking about, and the sweet and inviting return of the fiddle, this song builds to a place where that halfway mark, John, where you said you actually start to really enjoy it, is what... I think you enjoyed it because it got to where it was going, which... Yes, and it was actually in the course, the crescendo of the course, where everything culminates. Where all those... It did great right there. It's... That's the, that's the moment that I'm talking about. That, that, the immediate maybe trail you just didn't off, like the verses. The immediate trail off back into the verse bothered me once again. Well, that's interesting. And it wasn't until the course came back, and then we get the really awesome bridge that I was once again as into it. And that was, that to me, that bridge was the core of the entire track. Well, it's interesting because I, I recall the transition being that violin teardrop, which I really yes. liked, which means I liked the return in a sense, which I know it could have gone into something else. I'm glad it didn't though. The the, the caliber of that little teardrop, as I'm calling it, was that of a, 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 a violin bow just playing so lightly on the strings that you're not getting the full, uh, the full breadth of sound. You're not getting a full sweep. You're just getting this little, <laughs> and then it just, it, it moves on. But it returns too dramatically to the original idea. That's that's what bothered me. Yeah. The flushed nature, yeah, I saw it coming. I, I'm still going to say, I saw it coming. But I liked where it went. I liked the different elements coming in there. I did not want them all removed so dramatically after the chorus. That's what bothers me. If, if I might go back to one other point, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more getting the sense now that this was uh, a kind of like... The, the the man in question present when we hear mm -hmm. in the chorus that he is a kind of echo because the little lyrics that I have uh, go on a lark I took a drive down a long road or excuse me down a dark road and we did hypothesize that maybe she was running away in some sense um, toward the sun that's in the west when I see it that glimmering green marker was all I needed to feel you in the passenger seat humming I feel your hand your old hand on my knee though I'm traveling along or alone something to that effect that that strikes me of a um an apparition appearing before her not necessarily a a a, a character present that is actually right. joining in for that chorus because interestingly enough i think that was the only time i heard a male vocalist on this entire album i believe that's correct yeah um and also i want to go back to something john brought up which was the stunning bridge that this song had oh. because this had a moment that i was complaining earlier in in the previous track, actually two tracks ago. May, may I just precede you with the sol the mandolin solo? Yes, That absolutely. actually goes right before the mm -hmm. bridge and leads right into this. Yes. Um, this was another very, to use the phrase again, old world of type of solo. It, it reaches out of the album in a sense because most of this album 
really, I would describe it still as modern indie folk. I would describe it as something I wouldn't have said, oh, this was out, you know, 20, 30 years ago. This is a this year 2016 album. But yet, there are these moments here where she clearly pulls from the traditions of, you know, the days of yore. And this mandolin solo, I felt like I was watching a Ken Burns documentary. I felt like I was learning about the pioneers and watching very, you know, uh, screenshots, you know, of the period. That's that's my idea of a good time. And so this, she had me with that. And then that solo survives and pushes into the bridge, and it lays the foundations for the bridge. And it actually is the undercurrent uh, for the entire time. And and I I just to to preface you on your your comments about the bridge. I think this was a, a case that completely did prove. Uh, my earlier assertion wrong that this was an album that was devoid of arcs on the song scale because right. this clearly had one and that was a marvelous progression well and and narratively too this song has an arc because you just from what we can kind of grasp from the lyrics this kind of reminiscing driving alone and thinking about the past and then this middle piece towards the end ish this instrumental that goes into a vocal bridge it feels more festive and feels more like you're at almost a renaissance fair. This idea of this kind of happy moment as if she's thinking back to yeah. that time when she had what she wants. Exactly. It's not just the mandolin, it's the drums. The drums show up big oh, to sure. really flesh out this piece. And they're still so subdued. The mixing here, having them just starting to go all out and really, really be playful, but to really have them so background they're like three layers back as far as the mixing is concerned they are some of the least percussiony percussion we've heard in a very long time they're working so well to to really get to the core of the emotion that's going on right here and i love them for that well what locks in the emotion is the way the track ends because then after we get this very festive reminiscent moment it drops right back into that acoustic vocal it drops right back into that lonely start that this this song started with as if you're coming back around to that moment where she's in reality again. She's driving that lonely road. She feels empty and Bingo. alone. And there was and a lot this... of deterioration there at the same time. Mm -hmm. You have the, the violins. They're kind of screeching mm -hmm. as we get thrown right back in. It's uh, it's interesting. It's but you very had impactful. To, you had to have that arc of completely being away from reality. Yeah, or, yeah. Excuse me, that climax of being away from reality. And I think that's just the thing. All you, I, I've been saying it was you know lacking an arc. Well, that's because we've been lacking a climax. All you need to have an arc is a climax. Sure. And that's what's been conspicuous absent up until this point. Hence the subdued climax of the previous tracks. There you are. Track six, Donald Og. Og. Donald Og, I believe. Donald Og, okay, we don't know because, uh, well, then again, then the, why didn't that O, the O in Donald, why didn't that have the little hat at the top, the little That's thingy, why the I little, think it's Donald Og. I don't know. But I mean, Linguistics for me, it's just, thingy, yeah. I just, Somebody tell me what that's called I just in the keep saying the actor Donald Logue's name really fast, and that's how I get this. Sure. Because, you know, why not? Um, Let's so talk about this intro. This, oh. this, oh, this sweeping serene start that we get here. No, no. no? Are you striking that? It's not serene. There's screeching and crackling. Uh. No, the screeching, crackling on the guitar belies it. it. It totally can bring you out of that kind All of right, then that's, I'm, that, that cathedral be, idea. I'm going to be halfway between you because th there was a serenity to it in some sense, but it's not... Um, it's, it's a-traditional, because this is what I pictured. She turned this into a kind of ambient post-rock dirge, which is very foreign for this album, but yet still born out of the same instrumentation. It was kind of digging this, although it might have had a couple of uh, synths in there, or at least heavy effects. Still, the screeches, the drones, 
I actually felt like I was standing on an Irish cliffside, like watching the waves (laughs) crash violently into the rocks, which does make you wonder how serene could that possibly be. I mean, Ireland is a beautiful place, yes, but not exactly known for its, its idyllic weather. Well, and also, if you're standing on a cliff face, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be standing on a cliff face, you know. And so, I mean, any number, just observing beauty or thinking of other things. And, of course, my head is going to Ireland because of, well, that little accent on the Donald Oak. I believe it's a very old, just to get this out of the way. It's a Gaelic actual word. It's a a very old limerick, I think, or it's an old Irish Irish folk song. It's probably been done a million times, and most of these lyrics, when they do finally come, are abstractions of this. I don't believe it's 100% on the money, but it doesn't sound like any version of this track has ever been 100% the money. I could be wrong. Once again, please correct in comments. Well, well, experience with a, a quite personal experience with a folk indie rock band, a lot of covers change it up. But I do want to say that what's nice about the intro to this song, and then I'll let John get out what he's flailing at me about, is... <laughs> that we get almost two minutes, a minute and 58 seconds of instrumental from the get, which has not happened yet. We've had a long instrumental in the previous track, but here we really get to sit with her instrumentation, and I think it's glorious. I like existing in this place. Yeah, well, I almost wish like this had been an instrumental track. Not that I don't like the lyrics. In fact, I, I do like her vocals later on, but that's for other reasons. I'll get to that. Still, I, I agree. This opening segment introduce something completely new and even if it wasn't even if you had her vocals in another place I would have liked you could they could have done this for four or five minutes I would have been completely in the zone and that was a lot of the new elements that come in here the new instruments that come in here you get first and foremost something I noticed right away in the background a droning organ cathedral style just sort of just sort of creating an echo without actually echoing anything. I love what this is doing. It was hard to pinpoint over everything else because when we were saying screen, uh, screeches, drones, things like that, that was the pervading drone uh, behind it all. And that's what I love about the screeching. The electric long cords that are put in on top of everything else are contrasting very naturally with the organ. And it's it's great to have the very outdoor expansive organ working well with the screwed up nature of of the way those electric chords are being played. I feel like someone's got an electric violin in this ensemble. Yeah, that's why I think just that, might, that might be one of the because it, it's like combining the natural screeches that you would get on an acoustic violin um, by playing close to the bridge or even beneath the bridge if you're doing something a little experimental. It's like combining that with the sort of feedback that you'd get from an amplifier if let's say you had an electric violin or even attached electric to an guitar. Amplifier. Like running your finger up and down the, exactly. the metal, exactly. the metal strings—it it sounds kind of like that. It's—it's it's a great combination. <laughs> so and clearly, then, we could talk about this yes. intro for a while, but and then we have to talk about the vocals because when the vocals step in, everything does persist for a little while, but they get so toned down that it's purely supporting. Really, some of the most beautiful vocals on the album. Well, and also some of the most bizarre vocals, though. And I think it's because of the so the the the. Instrumentation feels kind of dreamy, but a little discordant, as John was saying. But once the vocals come in with this kind of delayed doubling, it really feels trippy. And yeah, and I the, was my eyes started to cross just because of the way. I have an kind explanation. Of, and we'll get to that, but I just want to talk about the vocals for a sec because the way they come in, it's either her doubling herself or another female vocalist. But either way, it adds this kind of odd, blurry image feel. I did not feel it was odd at all. The juxtaposition of what the organ had already done as a really long, rarely changing drone in the background, and that's one of the few elements that really does persist when she starts singing, 
I think it did a great setup to showing that she's not recording in a studio. She's recording in the biggest canyon you can think of. Her <laughs> vocals are hitting her seconds later as she's belting them out. And I just want to make clear, I mean odd in the pure sense of my experience in it, not that there's anything wrong with it. It's not... No, no. It's I'm, the bizarreness of a dream when you know you're in a dream. Once again, I will awareness. moderate and say you're both right. Because seriously, yes, it is odd for the album. She like hasn't really, yeah. she hasn't stepped out of herself this much, and it really does feel like an out of body experience. Mm -hmm. So it should come across as a little bit odd. But I agree with John. The in, the intro set this up completely. So that to the point, if if this had just started, um, excuse me, if her vocals had just began, uh, this this like you know minute something, two minutes in. If they had just began as just her standard melodic style, mm -hmm. I would have been pretty disappointed. Sure. Then I would have said this should have been an instrumental because it, then it would have been almost a waste of that intro. But right. this is what I expect. If you're going to be standing on an Irish cliffside or, or what have you, if you're going to be in that environment, things are they're beyond introspective. That's not even the word to describe this. This is... This is gazing out at the abyss that is time and life, and <laughs> everything comes back at you and hits you in the face. Your own words are smacking you in the face, and they literally do here. They smack her back in the face. It's, it's very strange. Let me just read a little bit of this, if I may. Black as night is this heart within me. Black as coal is this grief that drives me. Black as bootprints on polished hallways. And it's you who have blackened it forever and always. For you've taken what's before and behind me, east and west, when you would not mind me. Sun, moon, and stars from the sky you've taken, and God as well, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Donal Og, you'll not find me lazy, not like some high-born, expensive lady. I'll do your milking, and I'll nurse your baby, and if you were set upon, I'll defend you bravely. When all beside, a vigil keep, the west's asleep, the west's asleep, alas, and well may Erin weep. When Connaught lies in slumber deep, their lake and plain smile fair and free, mid rocks their guardian chivalry. Now, now there's, there's two things I have to say about this from a purely. Great. Yeah, it is great, but there's two things I have to say about this from the, the purely technical aspect of it. One, we're getting a lot more allusions towards color, black this time, but also the references towards the sky, towards the sea. This is another one where I'm getting a lot of blue on top of this black. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like this sort of theme where kind of showing itself in the lyrics now, that we're getting a little bit more of a cohesive story, or at least a cohesive theme for the poetry that's going on here. But the second part is that as it progresses, it becomes non-musical, or it becomes non-musical the way folk only really can become non-musical, yet still remain a song. Everything sort of falls apart. The 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 actual pacing kind of gets lost as as these words are uttered, and it's very very natural, but still remains within a part of the song. That's... To be to be so disparate from keeping a beat, but but remaining within the framework of of giving you this poetry that it ends up being almost a different idea at the end of this track. That's another thing I wanted to talk about. Not just the fact that the vocals are a little bit more lackadaisical and seem sort of out of body and you have the effects, but also the, the pacing and the inflection is that of slurred speech. It, and it, it feels personal for the first time, which is interesting that that comes out of a cover, which is really, I, I, I would imagine, and I believe, I, I checked this up, I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of these lyrics are directly from that, that old Irish song, Donald Og. But when I described Mark Kozlek before, the reasons that I always loved him as a vocalist was because he 
is laid back and still sings in a sense it I feel it is musical but there are times where it can come across as not being musical because there's so much like pain in every syllable that it will fall out of the melody and out of the pacing at times and that's exactly what she did here so it was really it was really strange to see that uh, on, a, on a completely different vocalist and hear that style again because I'm really more into this and it, it gave her more character which has been I guess the thing that has been lacking for me in her vocals up till now and I think it's safe to say based on the discussion we've been having naturally from five to six and now as we move on to track seven the king of all the birds something that might have seemed a little alien at first as we discussed the album together I'm finding fits pretty well into the way this album has been progressing so this song starts with soft string viol- kind of a violin intro a little and, whiny and 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 this oh it's it's not just a string intro this is a flat out string quartet right and it's a dark string quartet it doesn't last for too long maybe a little 10 15 seconds or something like that but i loved every second of it and this was completely out of the album but still felt like it was married because you have to still have the strings in common but it felt like it was reaching toward a completely different tradition of composition. Sure, but it did feel connected to the previous track, especially the way we were talking about the discordant nature of moments of that track. True. I feel like it's connected there. Also, these this quartet immediately sets a dr- dramatic kind of attitude that did not exist to this degree, at least. We had had hints of it before, but this is where it's kind of the harshest and the most in-your-face. It's rough around the edges a bit. Well, it's a strange transition because it starts off very dark and almost like a, a funeral of sorts, like the death had finally just occurred, and then it kicks into something with a lot more attitude, and that was in the instrumentation that followed with the guitar and all. It was it was a pretty harsh cut. Well, it wasn't, I won't say it was pretty harsh. It did feel like, if you're going to say funeral or something to that effect, it felt like immediately walking away from it, sort of a moving on kind <laughs> Leave, of an Leaving idea. in anger, shutting the uh, the funeral home door. Well, sadness and anger are the, are the only two emotions I can really see coming out of a funeral itself. Sure. Unless you're a sadist or messed up and you're just happy that someone's dead. But that's just mean. Here we're not going mean. Here we're going attitude-driven. The picking right there. The drums yep, are coming in. They're coming in very paced, but not s- the slow kind of pace I'm used to on this album. These are dunk, dunk, it's de- dunk. It's determined. They're going. It's yes. determined. It has motion. There's yeah. attitude. There's there's mm, there's determination involved yep. here with these instruments. And then her vocals step in. Okay, her vocals are interesting. And actually, the lyrics are even more interesting because this... I see where you're coming from with this because... If you if you are making up, you know, you have to fill in some of the gaps with these this, these stories. And if you are coming, let's say, out of a funeral home, or you're coming out of the pit of depression, the depression she was in, the 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 region where she was clearly way too focused on the past than is healthy, then here she begins, look out, look out, here I come now, fists out. I'm a fighter bird, I'm a harrier hawk, a wild flock. I keep time by the city clock. When the mood is steady, I'll find you. I'm not lucky, and I'm not scared. There could be a gold mine anywhere. Clearly here, she's resolved this to is, get away from this all of this. feels like a washing of your hands, a... Exactly. Like, you know, just dusting off kind of a moment, which is really powerful and empowering, I think. And, and that comes through in that attitude really really quickly. There's a kind of, of course, shut it. You have to shut everything down in order to do this. Yeah, And th- there's, there's almost a sense of it being a little bit disingenuous in that regard. Because coming, well, why would you have that intro? 
because the intro oh, that's true. is that of complete misery and then that's why I still I still feel that transition into the drum. I still sure. it's not super harsh, but it's harsh enough as if you just kind of did wash your hands and that was the moment and now you're you're going out. She's coming out now, fists out. Strangely yeah. enough, the the cadence of this, the way she inserts these little pauses here, I love how that conveys the determination in of itself. It actually reminded me of a Tom Waits song called Clap Hands, where he sings something like Sane, sane, they're all insane. The fireman's blind, the fisherman's lame. Something to that effect. And of course, he's got that Tom Waits, sane, sane, he's got that grumble to it. But it's also a little bit crazed, a little bit deadened inside. And and she captured the same exact thing, well, interestingly. There's, well, there's also the wine that comes in that's, that's short and abrupt and hits high and then sort of trickles back downward. Aspects like this are showing, they're showing a lot more, like passion than the majority of this album which in a lot of ways takes me out of the album itself the the pacing of the vocals does a lot to do that the the pacing of the instruments does a lot to do that but this feels so emotionally charged compared to to a lot of the deaded feelings that we got previously but doesn't that in some way mean that it all makes sense yeah. Because had it been we we used the term passive aggressive earlier, and you know maybe not in the in a in the in a shining positive sense at the mm-hmm. time, but sure if that's the emo- the driving emotion that has to crack at some point, and this is the cracking moment because by the time she's going through all this by as early as fifty five seconds, it's the determination is is neither here nor there. You already can tell that this is kind of a farce in a way. The screeches come in. It sounds extremely dissonant. That 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 second figure. I absolutely love these overlapping dissonances that begin throughout the whole first, uh, the second minute of this, between minute one and minute two, around, I think, one minute twenty. It's very strange. It's like a foreign, it's foreign and apart from the chord. It sounds almost like an Indian scale, uh, which is, is really out of the character of this album, but it works so well. It, it, it sounds like things are just coming into to prevent her from making this transition, or that she could barely even stick the landing on this this resolution uh, for too long without realizing that it's a kind of fake transition, that she, she's not ready. And that's showcased in the chorus. The chorus seems to change up the melody, because the melody is really what's kind of pulling me out of the album. It changes up the melody enough to really kind of nod back to the previous tracks. It does a lot to, to still give a home with the rest of the album. and That's one of the few defining moments that keeps this within context for me so that I don't feel like I am really am taking out and of it. And the chorus hits the nail on the head right there. Uh, anyone that I might want in this world, they're asleep in the arms of another girl. Uh, who will they be when the lights come up? Everyone that I ever loved in life now calls somebody else their wife. Who am I to you? Back on cue with the sort of, you know, self-loathing uh, and depression. And yeah, the, the, just the lack of confidence yeah. here. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, though, I think I might be somewhere between you two for a change. Just because I feel like it's not completely discordant for the whole record. But I feel like there's a progression here that we've been building to. It just wasn't as subtle until we discussed it to me. I feel like 
it's a little less subtle now. I think it stands out a bit more, but for sure this track is unlike anything else on the album as far as tone, but it's constructed of things we've been hearing because all along. Because it's just so dissonant, and then it culminates in that m point in 2 minutes 40 seconds, the, cr the instrumental... Where everything's all screwed up. It, it, yeah. it, it just gets it deranged off, almost. It builds off of all of those elements, but this time it's com it's completely crazy. I mean, this this was... It was a, it was a joy for this It was for a de-evolution almost. Yeah. And I will say, to me. <laughs> at the end of the day, it wasn't too removed for me. It, that chorus did a lot to cement home, to cement it within the framework of the character that that we only really kind of know about here. As Matt put it off air, the character's very obscured in this album. And yep. here is the first time I'm seeing a very personal, like, emotional response not really the passive nature we've gotten or the passive aggressive ideas we've gotten previously this is like this is because really a bearing you of see someone. everything here you see the whole spectrum the ups and the downs following the chorus it's it's she seems to be more positive again get up get up get it together and climb up right this is within the car the the pacing the the resolution of the first verse but now here's the second verse same thing get up Get up, get it together, and climb up to the top of the tree. I'm an owl now, a lonely owl. Who, who, what, where, why, when? How the hell did I get this far without you? Pull my feathers one by one, put, put them in your pocket when I'm gone. And finally, the, the, the bridge during uh, following that crazy instrumental. Who am I to you? Am I just anyone? Am I the only one? Whom am I to you? Am I just anyone? Am I the only one? Well, yeah, I mean, owl. That, that line about, because it gets repeated a couple times about pull my feathers out one by one and put them in your pocket. It's this idea of either emotional or actual literal physical damage being done by him to her that, that he's saving for later. He's kind of in, in, an enjoyment in a way of this masochism, either emotionally or physically. It's only that barely is... alluded at, but it's still so poignant and kind of just almost disgusting that when is, you think that, about that it. That is a good observation. I didn't see that line in that context, but that's... Whoa. <laughs> and, and and that's where I take I that. I don't think it goes that far. See, but no, it's I think it definitely, does. I, I, emotional, yes, but there's been no other reference to physical on this album that I would really see it. I, I, but I'm not comparing it to the other album. I'm taking this as an isolated moment and lyric and I mean, plucking out my feathers... Pull my one feathers by one by one, put them in your pocket when I'm gone. That is definitely masochistic. But yeah. she's, me, well, at, she's specifically... No, it's no, 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 no. It's she, Masochistic. She infers sadis sadism, yeah. where it's no, no, really no. masochism because she imagines it. Yeah. yeah, she's specifically asking for it, as opposed to saying, you pulled my feathers. She's saying, pull my feathers. She's telling him to do it. It's almost like she's begging for an emotional response, either yeah. from herself mm. or from Which the person Which is also she's dangerous and clouded. Yes, but it's like, it's like she's... These are glimpses of her trying to break out of the malaise, mm -hmm. to break out of this passive nature. And I love how it's mm. not working. Like, well, yeah. that is a character, for those of us who have seen it, in Mr. Robot, uh, a television show very briefly on that I hope is coming back really soon. Oh, the main yeah. character is so numb and so, in many ways, delusional that he spends almost the entire first season just begging himself for emotional responses. And I'm seeing the same sort of thing here. I'm seeing the same sort of ideals here. I, I agree with that comparison, having seen the series also. I want to focus back on what you were talking about, though, that she's, like, trying to get out of this malaise and fails. And the following track, Not the Leaving, is exactly that. She falls immediately back into that malaise because the saunter nature of the this song, this kind of lullaby-esque 
relaxing feel. I mean, it completely slows down from what we were getting just before. And I think it's because she's trying to climb out and fails. And this song, even though I didn't love this song personally, is meant to reflect that, that relapse, that falling back in. This is much more laid back. It is, it is, it's in a slow, like, two-step, six, eight. The emphasis in the one, the four. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two. Four, five, six. Without really even the two or the three or the five and the six necessarily, it's more of just that two-step feel. But you get the 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 three feel. I think is more in the guitar itself. This was an interesting track because I guess it all had to kind of dissipate at some point. You can't. I, it sounds like she's not the type of person to necessarily stay in that frame of mind. Sure. So of course it has to come back. Uh, let me read a little here. Go and gather up your things for the long ride. Don't ask me where are we going. It'll take time. And the flowers, oh, the flowers will be buried under snow when the cold winds blow. But the lake changes quicker than you know. At the seaside, waiting in the low tide, in the shallows, in the wintertime, stars in the western sky flicker and fade out. But the water, oh, the water, is shaking at the breeze from the high, high seas. And the lake changes are bitter to my knees. I mean, but what I'll say here is while the lyrics sound pretty and they're painting a pretty beautiful picture this honestly is back to the beginning yeah this is her way except of... for one minor problem is in the beginning there was way more character to the vocalization here feels a bit plainer in the delivery and she's a beautiful vocalist and i still love her vocals but here the delivery does seem a little straightforward i mean and i know i would say her syllable pacing is one of the more endearing aspects but of this sti- track but still feels plainer comparatively i feel like this is the most reminiscent of other female vocalists that i'm quite a big fan of who are in this genre like anna Nelik, carly ritter marion call like it's just this kind of not that those singers have a plain delivery but i think her, she sounds the most like someone else and not just her in this song. Well, okay, the, what this song reminded me of vocally mm-hmm. was actually uh, David Crosby and his and when he was singing on the track Guinevere from uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash. The pacing that they have in that track, in that song, was very... Well, it's in the same sort of vein, very dreamlike, very evocative, mm-hmm. just through choosing how fast and slow everything's going on. Because right now, she's only kind of just nodding at the timing. She's only going, oh yeah, no, I should probably do something else. (laughs) Because what she's saying and how quickly or how slowly she's saying it is very important. In fact, I'm going to read a little bit of Guinevere. The pacing goes, Guinevere had green eyes. And then they pace it out. Like yours, lady like yours. And it's in the same time frame that this song is, is it's meshing up with me and this you're, sort of idea is so you're doing what I did with the Tom Waits clap hands a little bit yeah and it's it, it, it I latched onto it but you're right Matt not a whole lot else is going around it, yeah I mean and so, that's that's my big problem yeah I mean it's by no means a bad song I mean it's still you know sweet but we've said that about other tracks I just don't feel like what makes this stand out beyond being a song by her because it's on her album you know and I'm looking for a little more. I mean, you know, folk has a habit of falling kind of into a specific place and kind of pigeonholing itself anyway. And so, like, I want I want her to do more. And she's shown what kind of an instrumentalist she is and that she works with and that the kind of tone she brings to the table. And here, it feels the most kind of just run of the road. Because yeah. it, it has the ambiguity in it again. Yeah, I like, guess this so. is a really a more of a difficult track for me to pin down, not the leaving. Well, my instinct is to say that that is 
not believing his leaving when he right. left. But then it sounds more like she's really doing the leaving here because this is maybe her, her running away again. Is she back uh -huh. to that? I, I don't know if we came full circle on this necessarily, but let's look at the chorus because uh, I really did like the chorus here. Then I'll wade down. I'm weighed down. Nice wordplay. Homonyms you don't hear too often. Uh, with family photographs and relics I found in a back room. I'll be back soon. I won't sink. I'll swim. I'll be back soon. But I would not say it's a physical leaving. This is one more time where I'm going to say... it's all in her head. It's all in her head. This is another point where she's sort of checking out mentally from the world around her. And that's what it feels like so much of this album is is conveying. Well, I would argue that it it's not on the same level. I think this is the internalized prep when you're going to leave. It's not the actual act of leaving. It's the internalized prep to leave. Because when anyone does walk out that door or call it quits, and I've been there... You kind of have to prep yourself, rev yourself up, kind of get yourself in the right mindset. And I feel like that's what this is doing. Yeah, but then there's other things. You and I, let's build a bonfire in the sand dunes and sit a while cheek to cheek and I'll be humming your favorite tune. Is it in her head or is there another person here? I don't know. Further going on. It's not the leaving that's grieving me. It's the thought of you alone making my heart moan. And when the lake changes, down the road I go. Like, when the lake changes, is she talking about the tide? I like, mean, it no, could be. This tide, tide doesn't affect lakes. No, there are no, <laughs> there are no tides. <laughs> what am I thinking? It's just, I don't know. I think that this can be chalked up to the obscurity of how she delivers a narrative here. I think it becomes clearer in track nine. I think that when we go from, from not the leaving to de detour sign, this is clearly a traveling song. You know, this song... In the most cliche pseudo-country sense, this feels structurally, vocally, instrumentally like a song about a trip. And so, whereas if the previous track was kind of in her head, we're not sure, this for sure is not. This is her on the road, out the door. And then I'm back to the beginning on two counts, not just because and I, I, I experienced this song of... Barely even picking up on the lyrics because right. they were being sung, they kind of just washed right over me. Um, and then here, uh, to to step it even further, even looking at the lyrics, I'm still kind of just as lost. It's that writing and that those those forms of ambiguity that maybe is where she leans and that's where her 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 mindset takes her. But it's it's not great as far as inferring things. But I still appreciate the art. I don't want to impugn that sure. because I think that's a very important thing to cover for people for artists that aren't quite as in touch or don't writing melodies that are so on the nose with every single thing that you're going for. The whole wearing your heart in a sleeve thing, that can be tiring. And I, I appreciate her in the same way that I cited Mark Kozlek for citing things that are a little bit more abstract. It's like, mean, it's like they think about what they're saying before they actually say it. And I think I connect with that even though I have to work harder to get there, which is the idea. Otherwise, she probably wouldn't be this lonely. The, I mean, there's still heavy emotion even in vagueness. And the vagaries kind of add something to the album, I'd say, even if it does obscure it. But for this, I mean, the way it starts, the, the drumming here feels very much hands-on skin, kind of a tribal drum. If we were three layers back earlier, this is like five layers back, right. the way the reverb's doing it. But, hands -on the, skin, but the thing drum. about that is that it doesn't feel <laughs> that tribal very long, because then the song kind of shifts, and it gets into that kind of country feel. Well, the light guitar shows yeah. up, and then we also get uh, lyrical work that is is quick paced again it's, yeah. it's a little bit more 
uh, trying to get it out. And I do see the culmination of the coloration theme here because it just starts off blue in the heart, blue in the face, black and blue from running this race. Blue is the color that you must embrace. And right there, that, that really cements this whole idea. This theme of blue throughout the whole I was going to yeah. say that very early on, like blue. What else do you think that could mean? <laughs> yeah, well, well, of course. We get more homonyms. I blew it up, blew it up, blew a hundred kisses and sent him down south. Oh. I mean, it's... She's not being rejected. And that line, I think, cements it for me. She's not being rejected here. She's subtly, or maybe not so subtly, rejecting the man. Well, what which is weird, because so much seems to be saying that it wasn't going to happen because of what he was doing. Well, what, what could, well, yes, but there are situations where a couple are rejecting each other, but one person still has to do the walking away. And it sounds to me like there's emotional damage being done, possibly physical, as we alluded at. But for sure, there's issues here, but maybe he's not recognizing it and still kind of moving with it. And she's finally stepping away from it. Actually, I would would go even one further. It's the lack of her emotional responses yeah. to this individual that is cementing her walking away from him. Yeah. It's not even that there's damage being done. It's that, in fact, well, think about when you love someone. They are able to hurt you. They yeah. will hurt you. Sure. That's okay. why you're able to love them. In uh, this the case... cynicism is right. No, 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 no. Who can hurt you greater than someone you love? Of course. Yeah, so of course. the very fact that uh, not too long ago she was pleading to be hurt by this guy just yeah. shows that lack of love involved right here. Yeah. So she's walking away. It can be. It could be construed that there's this kind of a loveless relationship and that she's finally taking another step. Or maybe she's just so emotionally numb and done with the whole thing. I mean, there's I so mean, many theories well, that are going, I am going I'm enjoying that I am going here. to finally set it in stone here. I don't think there was ever any actual leaving and driving and moving on, I think the entire thing is a metaphor. Okay. Yes, I, I, I totally there have agree. Just, it's been present too many occasions here, and each and every time it reworks itself. Like, how many, how many experiences can you have while driving and, and trying to, like, the, otherwise they would all be, you know, running away songs. They're clearly not. It's just running away in, in your head, and the detour sign is are having to make turns as a reaction, a direct reaction to the particular stage of grief that she's in. Something to that effect. Uh, And it gets pretty violent, too. My blood is red. I scraped my knee on the sidewalk, trying to write your name with chalk. I drew us a house, drew the windows away, drew you inside. My blood is red running down my leg. How will I know if the road is closed? Detour sign, and the man in the neon coat got the flashling, got the moonlight. Uh, I guess a little abstract at the end there, but oosh. It just sounds... I mean, it's not a happy song, that's for sure. Well... I do have a big issue with this song, and that is, yeah, well, sort of one that leads into another. There's a a pretty awkward transition for me about halfway, I think I want to say about halfway through the track, where there's a nice movement in the build, and then there's a big drop that has, for me, a kind of like breaking transition into the the very soft string build, the whispering strings that come out. Mm -hmm. I like both parts individually, independent of one another, but I don't like how they mesh together. It felt... if, If King of All Birds had the breaking of the mind, this was trying to replicate that without really explaining the break. Okay. I mean, I... 
I I can't say yes or no to that. I didn't really notice it. I think because this song, this song and track eight, I checked out. Not checked out, but I definitely wasn't as drawn in as previous tracks had been for whatever the reason was. Well, that we had three really solid tracks run right after another, and then yeah, it kind of peters off. Well, I mean, not completely. Track ten does something interesting, at least to to wrap up the track. The final track, track ten, is called Jupiter, and. This intro feels, nay, it is avant-garde. I yeah. mean, it's just, there's minimal percussion. It's all... Straight up vocals, but every other instrument that comes in here slowly is just the slightest little bit. This is what I was alluding to last week when I was, well, even though it was the, actually the inverse of this at the time, where we, was, we were listening to a particular track by Heron Oblivion, on the album, Heron Oblivion, and I said something to the effect of the instruments were so much the focus that I was comparing her voice to a a, uh, a kind of, it didn't really need to be there. Like, mm-hmm. it was just this thing floating along by, like, the kind of poetry that you'd find that would have a vocalist, excuse me, a poet reading their own poetry, and you don't really have to have that little drum in the background, but occasionally you will find it just to kind of set the mood. And this is sort of that. It really is mostly just poetry, but it is sung. It has a little bit of a sing-songy quality to it. Um, still, it sounds very, it seems like it could easily stand up in a cappella, but yet the drum is there, just to completely play around with this and do whatever the hell he wants to do. And it actually works. I feel like it was a very... Uh, it's performative. It, it's a, perfor- a form of performance art, but it, it, it ends this album on, on a note of uncertainty because there is no structure there. So everything is just... It's uncertain. She's al- She essentially is alone. She had alluded many times that she felt like a lonely owl. And now suddenly she is alone against a backdrop of something that is very hard to pin down and very evasive constantly. Can't, can't grapple with it. Well, the guitar does show up. Eventually, yes. And it tries to find a melody there. And the strings show up. And they try to form an idea around everything. Little and, flutters. Yeah, and what happens is I find this track to be very very academically interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) and emotionally i'm not invested that's the flip side i really don't find it beautiful at the end of the day and i know in a lot of ways it is but it's kind of just cerebral for me at this moment and i'm not enjoying it on a more emotional level but see i'd argue that you're not supposed to i'd argue also that it's not beautiful and that's no then i'd I'd say that's an as an argument that it would be a terrible finale if you're not supposed to be invested emotionally see but i don't agree per se so okay Maybe there should be an emotional investment, but I don't think it's supposed to be a deep investment. I think the fact is it's not meant to be beautiful either. That's the point I want to argue more. This avant-garde is supposed to raise question marks. It's supposed to confuse you because I don't think there's, like Steve said, there's no resolution here, and that's the point. I I think it's supposed to kind of confound you just as she's almost confounded in this place she's in. Exactly, because I had a hard time finding lyrics to this this track. I I didn't really have it all at my disposal, but I transcribed what I could. There are lines like floating gently down the stream, pinch me till I bleed, Uh, the future is blacker or blacker than a black hole. Um, maybe I know it's hard to get a read on the right time to something to that effect. It, it's, it, there's, it's hopeless. It yeah. doesn't seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel at all. Like, if there was, I missed it. This seems like floating in a space of uncertainty. And I think, well, I hear what you're saying, John, and I don't disagree with how you feel. I'm saying that some of this was for sure intentional. But you're saying you, you got that feeling of uncertainty. The feel, you're using the word feeling. 
I don't have feelings for this track. And I think that at the okay. end of the day is what kind of ruins the track for me. Like, I just, I can't get invested because the music really is interesting. But do really, you, I would like to take it apart. Like, but here's oh, the that's question. A nice chord do you there. feel empathy at all? Because no. that's, uh, that I think would be the goal here. If, you, if at I least you felt that empathy. empathy for this, because, well, I'm just saying to, to say that you don't, don't feel anything, I would ironically enough say that's correct because this is clearly a numb numb it's supposed track. to be numbing yeah um but if Which you but if you don't if at. you don't empathize with that then that is a problem yeah i i i feel like i could empathize with this i feel like I, it's hard not to personally yeah. I, that we've all had days like this um and considering Some of us have weeks considering this album it sounds like she's had weeks because <laughs> uh this album really doesn't exist in the happy places for terribly long um, I, they do this. I think it's done really well. There are times I will admit, uh, just to extend an olive branch, uh, John, I will admit it feels a little arbitrary at times yeah. with the background stuff because it's it is so just there, you know, not even directly commenting on what she's saying or what she's doing, or it's just life running its course and she just has to exist in it. I know I'm making this sound maybe even more existentialist than maybe she even wanted it to sound, but it's really not giving me a light that that light at the end of the tunnel anywhere here. So I, I think just a positive musical comment on on how arbitrary those drums and, and, and the guitar and everything else feels, I do think that it makes it so that you never experience this song the same way twice. I could see that. I yeah. could definitely see that. But I I guess what I'm what I'm trying to convey is this is a vocal heavy track. And while I think she has a, a lovely voice, uh Miss O'Donovan she doesn't have an it factor that I latched onto vocally. And I think that as as my final point for this track and I guess for the album as a whole is the biggest problem I really have because she does have a beautiful, lovely voice, but it doesn't feel too unique, especially within the framework that's that's going on here in the entire album. With the exception of The King of All Birds, there's not a whole lot of this album that really feels unique, that feels different, that feels new. Yes, there's a lot of quality pieces being put together, but so much of it is coloration. It's not exploring and exploding a core melody. It's not It's not screwing around with the rhythm or really letting a specific instrument cut loose. It's very passive. And this passive nature to the album as a whole really does keep it at arm's length. Without, you know, without too much to latch onto, without too much, like, evocative or provocative ideas involved here, it's... It's hard to really sympathize. It's hard to really empathize with this character. It's hard to really get into the mind. It's obscured. It's it's wishy-washy. You can't see the face of what's going on right here. And that that's keeping it at arm's length for me to really delve into, to really dive and drink deep from the emotions that are going on here because I just don't see the depth. And I think that's what's keeping it as as a really a high-rated high album for me. Because there's a lot of good going on here. We, we were questioning aspects of this album. We were going and looking at the instrumentation going, oh, that's, that's a unique little moment. That's, that's a very unusual way of treating an instrument. That's very fleeting. That's very, very, like, it, it tries to be provocative, but without force, I guess is the best way to, to, to say it. And without that force, without that, that really personal involvement going on here, it, it just comes off a little hollow. 
at least in my eyes, at least to my ears. So for that, I think it's a good album, but I don't see it really being too much more above the average. So I'm putting it at a solid, a solid three five. It's it is interesting, but interest alone doesn't doesn't hold it for me. Okay, um, for me, this record does some things interesting. I think for one, it's kind of nice. We've talked about this before. Other albums have taken breakups and done them in a unique way. And I will say, this kind of obscured kind of you have to dig for meaning is at least a nice change. It's just not, oh, woe is me. He broke up with me. Blah, blah, blah. Especially a trope that most female musicians fall into, especially pop stars. It's like, oh, poor me. You know, I don't have my man. And oh, woe is me, and it's very detailed on or, the breakup. Or the reverse of, I'm an independent woman, and I have attitude, that's why I broke up with him. I mean, it <laughs> can go to either extreme, whereas here it's kind of obscured between. We don't know how strong she was or how not strong she was, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that you know that there's love here. You can tell in the words, at least for sure, that there's love here. But, you know, it. I would agree with John that some of the emotion is a bit subdued, but I don't think it's as kind of blank as John might think it is. I think, for me, I like what the instruments do. I like the mix of the instruments here. Whereas we've gotten a lot of other bands that do a lot with not a lot. She's doing a lot with a lot. There are a lot of variety of instruments between the strings, you know, the guitars, the which are strings, the uh, you know her vocals, the percussion, the bass. There's a lot of interesting things going on, even if it does still stay kind of, you know, low-key for most of the record. I feel like there is a build, though, from track one to track seven. This this progression towards King of All the Birds is there. It's just not as obvious as it's been in other place, in other albums, maybe. But I don't think after our discussion I can ignore it as much and feel that the, it's kind of just in a sea of, well, where did this come from? I will say, though, that after track 7, track 8 and track 9 and track 10 all disappoint. I feel like I get what the ending is supposed to serve, but as a whole, the album kind of tanks on the end. But I still like everything. 10 was tougher to enjoy than just about anything else on the record, but I still enjoy most of it as a whole. You know, I think that vocally, for sure, she's doing something unique. Her voice, at moments, blends with other female vocalists within the genre or within the kind of style. But then there are moments where she hits heights or does something interesting, like her vocals on uh, on Donald Ogue. Though that was incredible, and if it's whether it's her doubled or by herself, like that's a high point for me vocally. So I can't just rate this average because I feel like there are things that hinted above average, and I've rated other albums with less a little higher. So I think this is, this. she's a musician with a skill and a talent that could approach a four. This album's not a four. I would say it's a three, seven, five. I think it's going in interesting places. The arc and the theme is clearer than I thought it was, but I'm not gonna just rave, uh, rate it because, oh, I get a sense of a theme now. It's just, we do that a lot and I feel like there's still enough question marks here that I can go, well, maybe that's intentional, maybe it's not, but I'm not going to hurt or favor it for it. So I'm sticking at a 375. Definitely give it a listen again, and I would recommend it to anybody who either plays folk or listens to folk, for sure. Well, we may have ended up doing that crash chords thing where we all disagree uh, or sound like we disagree, but then we come full circle in the end and, and 
kind of end up agreeing. I don't know. It's it's a weird case, this album. Maybe only because I, I do feel very similar similarly to maybe the way John felt last week, where it's like I, I can't I come in more optimistic maybe than both you guys, but I, I also agree academically where it fails. I I understand that the ending is a problem. But here's the thing. I, I, I brought this like I said, just diving in just to see what else is out there. And I was I don't think I expected much of anything from this album, but what I did end up getting unexpectedly so was nostalgic. I got nostalgia from this, and I think that had to do a lot with uh, uh, the Decemberists that I mentioned earlier, that, that there's a tone there that kind of reminds me of them. And I, know I may have mentioned that the Decemberists, that they are more to me about their tone than their shtick, the shtick being the kind of stuff that Colin Malloy likes to write about, um, which is very old world, certainly. But I guess that is a distinctive element, which along with Kalamaloi's lyrics, does make it stand out just a little bit more than this album. That said, I like down-to-earth things. I like... It's the reason why I like sci-fi more than fantasy, <laughs> to bring up that old argument, because I like things that are a little bit more natural, but that doesn't mean I don't like to see grandeur within it. Uh, and that, I think, is exactly where I land with my experience of every track on this album. I like when she goes big working with a concept that is very down-to-earth and, and easy to understand. Not to say I'm looking for, uh, for simple, plain lyrics. I, I like abstractions, but I like the fact that she's coming from like a, a non-pretentious place. That it's all just her interpretation of what's happening to her. And that in itself can be uniquely complex. But as to what I said about uh, the moments in this, in this album where she does use uh, musical grandeur to convey that, I think we were all very plain on where those moments are. Uh, King of All Birds, that is absolutely that place. That's where I want to I want to be on this track. But I also I want to be in Jupiter. I really I maybe even though the tail and the overall tail end I was a little bit down on, I think Jupiter itself as a final track conveys this perfectly. I'm not having as much of a trouble with the theme uh, than you guys are. I think that's just the thing. When things are just a little bit more abstract, then you know there is an individual in the mix. It's not just breaking it down for all of us. I see, the theme is obvious. Yes, we it was a break, breakup album and we knew that. And the metaphor is very consistent with all of the metaphors to color and, and nature and the idea of driving, leaving, running. It's all here and it's all very, very fluid one moment by the next. The only thing I'm missing is just the overall musical oomph that packs it that hammers it home in some way. And I know that's an issue we run to a lot because you have to invoke that old debate that we've had probably since the first episode. Does the art trump the enjoyment of it, academically speaking? And maybe that's what John started to hint at. I, I think maybe here it does a little bit for me because how else could you convey the concept of getting away from it all and not tackling things in a head-on manner or moving on with your life quickly without actually conveying the aesthetic in a more uh, deadened manner. Um, and, and I think even when it is deadened, I still like the instrumentation in the background. I still think it's pretty beautiful throughout those moments. So that, that kind of turns me around here. I think, I think I'm leaning just a little bit more positively with this. This, um, this may be a solid four with me. 
I, I it, would, it wouldn't be anywhere close to the upper echelon because I don't know how many times I will be able to go back to this, but I think it conveys a very important message about the idea that some people just can't get over things. Or for some people, it will be a really long time. So that's an important enough message. Solid four. And now our discussion today, which draws kind of directly from our discussion just now at the end of this album. They usually do. <laughs> yeah, well, they Lately, usually, anyway. yeah, yeah. It, it works. In this album, we approached it from different angles and saw different aspects of ourselves in it in some ways. I know there's a little bit going on here and there, and I couldn't project myself into it. And I know the two of you definitely did it a lot more. And it was the obscurity that was going on there. It was the lack of a, a, an actual character to latch on to. And in, in many ways, that is a, a problem when you're listening to music, when you're trying to get a story in a lot of cases, it's, it's hard to not have a main character or to be able to project yourself into this main character. But in so many other cases, having this, this music not be about person A meeting person B and falling in love and breaking apart, when it's, when it's just the ideals that float around it, it, it allows you to really jump into it a lot more readily. It allows you to jump into it as like, oh, this is me. Well, Here's just to get a little personal on this, because clearly that's the subject. Uh, I, I think I'm fairly an open book, uh, but certainly the right things need to come up in in context with the right people, the right kinds of things that you know I'll let out or what I'm feeling at any given moment. Um, I I've, haven't met too many other people like that. Either I meet uh, people that are on extremes, people who are. Well, complete 100% hard on your sleeve to absolutely anyone, or people who are entirely closed up, even maybe to their closest friends. I'm I'm in somewhat a strange middle ground that I don't always experience. Still, I, I would say that your phrasing earlier on, where the fact that you saw this as kind of a non-character, it, it almost hurts in some sense. Because if you are, as, as maybe me and Matt did, see a little projections of ourselves, then you'd think, well, then the kind of character who is sort of just mulling it over and musing it, but not 100% getting it across, and backtracking and actually making corrections that, to me, humanize her. To you, was not doing that in, in, in a way, which I think is just the greatest fear of every type of person who lives like this. And I don't want to put it too much, you know, on Eva O'Donovan. I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, artistic license involved here, and you're wanna, you want to embellish more within your music anyway, with it, which, ironically enough, in this case, may be unembellishing it. I'm not sure. But uh, we're inferring a lot from what we did gather, and it does raise a point that I experience in a lot of other music. Does, does that obscurity hurt it? I, I usually try to give it the benefit of the doubt, but I will admit, with other uh, other artists, I have been in John's position, in his camp, so it's tough to say. Well, yeah, I mean, for me, also, maybe the lack of a realistic or personal character as opposed to the lack of a character in general. I mean, there's artists who have made fantastical music that has characters, but it's they're so over the top that you don't really relate either. I mean, for me, like, an artist that I've actually always come back to, at least his early work, because I don't listen to his recent stuff, and it's going to seem a little out, out of left field considering who we're reviewing, but Rob Zombie has always wrote music in a fantastical way. Like, the song Dragula is about a drag racing monster, but it's not a clear narrative because the lyrics don't really make a ton of sense. And a song like that I always liked because it's loud, it's fast, and I can yell the lyrics. 
but did I really relate to it? No, because there's nothing to really relate to, or even Living Dead Girl, or the stuff he did with White Zombie, you know, more, more human than human, although those were more anthemic. Essentially, a character like Rob Zombie, and there are other artists in metal and heavy rock that have done similar things, he's kind of just giving this kind of fantastical show world, and you're either on board for the narrative or not, but it's not necessarily a direct relating to a character because it's a little more obscure than that, so it's kind of a different angle to the same thing. Well, yeah, that's, well, just, I think you're talking about more music that is meant for very different purposes. Uh, sure. I mean, it's not necessarily an emotion, emotional obscurity. It's more of a narrative obscurity or, or a basic narrative, maybe. Okay. Well, one, one song that I, I love throwing them on words, provocative, evocative, sympathy, empathy. This song made me feel like everything growing up for a very specific verse in it. And it's Crosby, Stills, Nash from their debut 1967 album, I believe it was. Helplessly hoping, and the lines are Stand by the stairwell, you'll see something certain to tell you. Confusion has its cost. Love isn't lying, it's loose in a lady who lingers, saying she is lost and choking on hello. Absolutely no factual explanation of what's going on right there, but I understand so innately what's being said that. I love the shroud that's being thrown on it. I love the, the charcoal that's being rubbed all over this picture they're painting where you can't tell what's going on, but you just I just inherently feel exactly that way as I'm reading those lyrics, as I'm listening to it. So you've been in my camp. <laughs> yes. Well, also, I mean, if we're going to talk about songs that are obscure, I can bring up a song that we all know. The lyrics are very obscure, though someone would probably just simply say it's related to drugs. But I'm the Walrus by the Beatles. It's not related to drugs. No, at all. see that I, I, and also I think you're bringing up. It's kind of a different idea because okay. I, I realize that in those particular cases they weren't going for a kind of, like empathy was not on their minds. They were going for this is an aesthetic. It's a mm. new aesthetic. This okay. is something you haven't heard before. We're getting weird now, <laughs> um, <laughs> and now? we have this access. Was now. That's we have, when they got weird. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a little bit earlier. Fair. But like we have a lot more money. We have a crazy studio. We can do things. Sure. And yeah, we all do right. the unspoken. It's all of that. It's all of that. And it's like. It's just so out of left field that I don't think that's the kind of conversation that that we're having right now, where it's like, oh, empathy. Do you feel what I feel? Do you? Are you the walrus? Uh -huh. Who is the walrus in us all? No, it's okay. that is <laughs> surreal for surrealism's sake. Um, that's a fair point. But what I I will I'll extend an olive branch <laughs> on, and it's a very uh, only only a bare one, in the sense that music. And I mean instrumentals now. Yeah. That can be a very broad thing. And very often it goes for things that are surreal. But yet I can't deny that it makes me feel emotions that were almost as if I were reading a story. Sure. Or sometimes things that, we do can't, that a lot. can't be conveyed within a story. And that's the thing that I've been kind of, you know, advertising as if it needed to be advertised since the very beginning. That I was more about instrumentals than I was lyrics. Of course I've turned around on that. Of course John, you know, he was a lyric guy. I, I was, was a music guy. I was leading up to that. I, was, uh, I wanted course. to go in that direction well, eventually. Well, we're, we're, we're going we got a rush now. here. When, All right. When, we're here. <sighs> we'll put it in the top Just, here. Just looking at the music of... You could take away all the lyrics, but just the music of The Ground Walks, Time in a Box by Modest Mouse, episode... Episode 137. I would feel stuff. Just True. just, just from Scale the Summit, I felt so oh, yeah, much. Of course. 
It's and they're completely obscure ideas. Like uh, you can't get any meaning other than what you're inferring. Well, but see, it's less obscure because you have a clear picture. Whereas this yeah, album is obscure because there isn't a clear Be- picture. Because it's you're you can't even create one on your own. Because in those cases, um, and I've had this with you know classical pieces over and over and over. There's there's certain things where it's like I don't know what this is. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm that. I am that, that right thing? now, and I am, so, I am so I am so much of that. He is me, and we are he. All of, oh shit! <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> No, that's... Uh, he that, brought it back. I did, fallacy. I brought it back. Brought it back. But no, no, uh, yeah, I agree. I think that, that an emotional track... I mean, even think about, like, uh, themes for shows or for for movies. I mean, I was talking about the X-Files at the top of the show. And seriously, the, the music, even out of context from the show, although it is very much attached to the show, the theme for the X-Files kind of has that wonder and mystery that even though it's instrumental, <laughs> it's not saying aliens... You infer it, and you create a narrative, so it's not obscured anymore. The theme for the X-Files. This is I gotta bring it back. Okay, I, I, yeah, alright. I guess you could do this to anything. I mean, even if on that note, I, I can't argue that there were even moments in I Am the Walrus where I was feeling something, even the first time right. I, I, I heard it. Um, yeah, it's... Sure, I would say the avant-garde obscurity, stuff. Obscurity, that's the thing about this topic, is obscurity is just so broad. Obscurity is anything you don't understand yeah. and haven't heard yet. So once you hear it, is it really about empathy at all? Maybe it's just about it's the first time you're making a connection or tapping into a part of your psyche that you never thought you had access to or would have. But I can safely say that there are songs we've done on this podcast that I felt nothing for, or they were obscure, and I hated them. Like Swans. And their half-hour monstrosity on that to be album. kind, episode 96. Yes. Um, because that was conveying something, but I didn't get it, and I freaking hated it. But this goes back to last week's conversation, because last week's conversation in mood music, we were talking about how things stack up in our minds, oh, and true. how certain things will lead certain people to certain places. Given the types of things that really moved them then, then building on top of that, they will be moved by said thing. With you lacking those stepping stones, it's not you're, like you're just going to jump ten paces ahead and arrive at this at this thing and say you get it, because it's built out of truth. Traditions, even as tough as that is to describe, it's not, necess- not necessarily saying it's inherently more complex, but it means it's on a completely different path. Life is—you've got so many roads to take, and some people take that road, and evidently we didn't. I was a little closer to it, but <laughs> right. still, maybe closer to you. Well, then maybe the thing is, maybe it's not the obscurity of the music. Maybe it's the obscurity in our head. Maybe it—the obscurity is the block we have with a certain song, not necessarily the song itself. This idea that right. John was obscured to a point of lack of enjoyment or connection in moments, if yeah, not on little, the whole. A little bit too much wishy-washiness. But me and Steve didn't experience it. Maybe the obscurity is more internalized and not actually the music itself. I mean, that's like does if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one around to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. It's that, that idea. That, that is the but, exact thing. And, and I but think is, that's kind of an interesting way to really look at it. Well, but I always, I also am I'm obviously the one that likes to project on the music we listen to and review on this podcast. Right. I love to project my own ideas and my own definitions of what the things are supposed to mean and everything like that. And I think that's what I like as a whole about getting very wishy-washy about stuff. Like, I found a very interesting story today. I found a very interesting character, and it was very academic for me at the end of the day, and I think that's I think that's the bigger 
problem I had, that it was academic, not emotional. But I love being able to go, oh, no, 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 that reference right there, that's referencing something that you're completely not even thinking of right now, but it makes sense in context of the other thing. But here's what's interesting. This is an album that I feel like, as far as what we did get from the theme, that you should have gotten. It's not like a completely different path. I feel like you have said so at the t at, at times that you have felt this. So if you know that you have been here, but you can't establish the empathy, then you're saying that maybe it's the music that's the problem, or that's, various at the end of the aspects day, of the music. That probably is it, yes. That she's saying so, but you're not feeling so. Exactly. I think, yeah, actually that's a very good summation as to why I wasn't really on board at the, at the onset, at least, of the album. And I will agree that I guess when I try to think and imagine myself in this position, maybe this is not the first genre that comes to mind, I would think of other routes. I would think mm -hmm. of different things. Um, but that's just because I'm, I'm, I think of different genres. Maybe it is then just that. It, this is on a different path because musically this reaches those same emotions that I reached via different musical paths, it reaches it through more of a country folk tradition, which I'm familiar with, but maybe not as heavily country as this album ended up being, at least on in a good percentage of. Uh, Decemberists are maybe as far as I got in that ballpark, and it's because it gave me other things, clearly, and not just that country folk twang. Um, but at the same time, there are December songs where I'm in love with his poetry. I'm in love with what he's saying. I don't know what the hell he's, he's talking about. And, <laughs> and he, Colin is a, he's very fickle with his words. And, and usually I'm sure there's like abstract metaphors there. But a lot of times I feel like it's just you're just really in love with his vocals and his turn of phrase. I think it's more about the fact that he just said that. Who would ever phrase it that way? Only Colin Malloy would actually phrase something. Maybe Yoda for some of the things he said, yeah. Sure. With his, with his broken grammar. And then it like it's more I'm more into the vocabulary and anything and not just the word itself, but the way he the way it just it just comes right off his tongue. That that is what I'm more enraptured by and then that ends up being a more musical reaction than a thematic reaction period so that negates this entire comparison we're in deep territory right now actually I... no you know who does that for me and that's jim morrison just his delivery oh, sure. i don't even care what he says at the end of the day it's just it was just so good the way he said it cemetery cool and quiet hate to leave your sacred lay <laughs> it's just so pretty He's do, so... Do, 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 do. i can get lost in those words oh I th that, I th that you don't know. I think yeah. at the end of the day, what we grasp onto and what we connect can kind of be taken from either side it, it, to make it less about my does a tree fall, no one, blah. That No, I would hear it. Um, this is, it can be the music or it could be us. It, it leads us back to the thing I've said a thousand times on this podcast. I think that it, it's the perception and the interpretation that can kind of lead us in any which way. I don't think that there's really a clear answer to this. I think that for sure, if something is obscured for you, from you, for whatever reason, you're not going to connect. No, Regardless every, of what's causing the everything's connection. Everything's always moderacy is the best policy. We have to have a resolution sometime. Well, what, eventually. But, but, well, well what's the resolution what? no, of this? Here, peel Absolutely back not. the layers. Yeah. Go for the layers. That should be the resolution at the end of the day. If you're not getting something from the music, from the vocals, from the lyrics themselves, peel back the layers. Do a little bit of research, a all right? A little bit of digging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, you want to know about ABC? You want to know another... I'm going to go back to Crossy Stills Nash because they're my touchstone today. Yeah, yeah, Matt. Ohio. Go, Matt, to understand swans, you need to understand the history of noise rock as it's existed since there you 1992. Go. There's a song nope. called Ohio. Oh. And it starts with the lines, Tin Soldiers and Nixon's coming. We're finally on our own. 
it's actually a song about the shooting at Kent State. Like, that's something I didn't know growing up. I didn't really get the song, but I know I enjoyed it. And I do with a little bit of digging. I appreciate it so much more once I learned that little fact. So, yeah, if you if you're if there's cloud over your eyes, that's the message of the day. Look for a way to get rid of that cloud. Look for a way to actually find the meaning. One day we will be doing a field test on exactly this this uh, kind of predicament of, and I'll be introducing something classical to you, potentially contemporary classical, and we'll see if you can make those jumps. That's a fair point. We'll see. All right. That'll at least be one field test. <laughs> Amidst many others. Challenge accepted? Yeah. I, Wait, I we have a question yeah, mark. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not quite sure. Right Bold, now. scary question mark. Sure. Um, all right. Well, let's let's start uh, bringing to an end this wonderful episode. Um, Steve, why don't you give us our spam of the week since no one's been kind enough to write us? Right Will us. do. <laughs> I visit every day some websites and blogs to read content, but this website gives feature-based articles. Feature-based. That's what we do. That was by Purple Web. Purple. Purple. Not purple. No, purple. Purple. Like or, or, powerful, but purple? Purple. Purple web. Purple. Like very, hurting purple. Very, very purple web. Our service right very purple. purple. Very purple. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. Anyway, anyway. That, yeah, that was actually on uh, episode 63, Leaving Eden by Carolina Chocolate Drops, which didn't come up today, but it did off air as yeah. far as a comparison with the Americana influences that maybe you could ba- uh, uh, compare those, those violin solos to. Sure. Just to bring it all together. Just to bring everything together in a neat package. Um, Things connected, man. <laughs> it's that time of the month again. We are going to... No, not that time of the month. Yeah, that terrible, time of the month. terrible segue. It's awful. Terrible segue. I regret nothing. <laughs> now, please redeem it. Um, so we have our guest for next week, and it is the one and only Katie Delaney, um, a good friend of mine, a voiceover artist, illustrator, and bartender extraordinaire, formerly for the Waystation, though she's moved to Philadelphia shakes fist um she's bringing us the struts and their new album everybody wants um a name that's familiar to me but i don't know that i've heard them it's like one of those ones that you kind of know and it's on the tip of your ear and you're like oh, i've probably heard them before but i don't know where yeah so she'll be joining us we're going to chat with her a little bit about the vo work she's done um if you want to see some of her illustrations um my profile picture on the website is actually an artist rendering she did of me so you can check that out and uh if you've been to the way station you've been slung drinks slung is that the past tense of slings slung? i think served is more accurate <laughs> fair point you've been served drinks. no but if he was slung, to stick, he's right the slung. no no, no, no. That it is the be past used, participle <laughs> no it can only be used within context of a long bar that you're allowed to slide things upon the way station and has she, a long bar yeah but they don't slide things on it it's not the old west <laughs> well that's a fair point it's not that's a saloon close. I believe that's the past tense and the past participle, which are more common words. I like words where the past participle is is completely unlike the past tense, like the word swum. I swum the other day. <laughs> it just sounds weird. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? So, oh, excuse so me. Weird. It's not even that. I, I said it wrong. I have swum. <laughs> At times in my life, I have swum. But it's it, that's <laughs> it a word. Sounds like you make no one words. says that at any point. No. Yeah, but wouldn't slinged and slung be the contrasting pieces right there? Oh, you're right. Wait, it is. Yeah, it is. Slinged. 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 slinged is past tense. Ah. Uh, English is a fascinating beast. Anyway, um, Katie will be joining us next week. She'll be bringing that record. I'm excited to have her on. Um, so on that horrible diatribe that was slightly fascinating, we will conclude this episode by, of course, saying music is life and, and life, life is, is good. good. 
enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.